I'm going to really encourage everyone to use video because there's nothing like having this medium where people can see you. I think the future is going to be growing crops indoors. I was always way too hot and that's why I couldn't sleep. I toss and turn, you know, I, I got to a point of desperation. This is Richard Gerhardt. And Elizabeth Gerhardt. You just heard from our presenters a little tiny bit. Stay tuned for the whole story. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property lawyer specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm not a lawyer. I work at Gearhart Law doing marketing, and I also have my own startup called Fireside. But you do look like a lawyer. So anyway, <laughs> welcome to Passage to Profit, everybody. Uh, the show that's all about small businesses, innovation, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. And today we have a special treat for you, Emily Wu from Emily Wu Media. And she's going to be talking about videos and getting your story out there. And we have two incredible presenters. We have Brian Freed. So I know we can't grow our own food because we don't live on farms, but if you really want to know where your food's coming from and grow it yourself, Brian's your guy. And... We also have Jason Elliott. So how many of you toss and turn all night like I do or used to because your sheets are the wrong temperature? Oh my gosh, I wish I'd had these 20 years ago. So he has made this incredible device to put on your bed so that your bed is the right temperature for you. But before we get to our distinguished guests, the IP in the news is a story about copyrights today. So I was cruising the internet and I found from Plugged, your sardonic source, for consumer tech stories. Your sardonic source for, for consumer, consumer tech, tech stories. stories right? What is a sardonic source? Kind of like sarcastic. Oh, okay. okay. All right. At thenextweb.com. And this is a story by Callum Booth. So these crypto bros spent millions on this rare Dune book. Right. What, we all know what Dune is, right? Yeah. Dune is that sci-fi movie. They've made it a couple of times and they've got a series going, I think. So yeah, right. it's a sci-fi thing. They thought when they bought the book that it included all the copyright rights. Right. So they bought an original copy, like one of the first copies of the Dune book. And they thought that they got all the copyrights with that by buying the book. So they had all these plans now to make series and merch and the whole nine yards. And they paid $3 million for the book. So this is not just pocket change. And unfortunately, I only found out later that just buying the book doesn't entitle you to the rights to make the movies. Right. They wanted to make an animated series. They wanted to sell NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Those have been in the news lately and all that stuff. But you can't do that if you don't own the copyright. That's right. I guess the IP takeaway from this segment is don't buy a book expecting that you own all the rights to it. And it's always a good idea to talk to an attorney like Richard, who does copyrights, if you want to use anything in any sort of medium. Yeah, well, they were crypto lords and obviously had a whole bunch of money to spend on something and they didn't like spend this. anything on a lawyer. So, okay. So much for that. It's time for Richard's roundtable. So you can either comment on the story or if you have a question about intellectual property, I'd be happy to address that. So why don't we start with Emmy Wu. Emmy, welcome to the program. Hello, I'm excited to be here. Great. Well, we're very happy to have you. So what are your thoughts about this? Well, my first thought, honestly, is what the heck, you know, <laughs> major lapse in research. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I, I also immediately felt bad, you know, when you yeah. go through the actions, assuming one thing, and then you get to the end of that journey, realizing that what you thought was true is completely not true. <laughs> Having to redo everything, I can only imagine what they have to go through now. Yeah. And to have this publicized the way it is would be, I think, a little embarrassing. Hopefully, they feel secure in themselves and they can just kind of laugh off their $3 million mistake. So, or say, that's what I meant to do all the time. That's you right. guys were the ones who said this other stuff. <laughs> I'm suddenly a rare book collector. <laughs> well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting too, because it, with my background in film, I know how much clearance is required, even just to show a tiny tag on a commercial, on a TV show, on a movie. So in my world, it seems ridiculous that you would even think that you would own the rights to that. But 
It sure makes for an interesting story. (laughs) For sure. Brian, what are your thoughts on this? You know, if you don't think IP is sexy, you have to, if you're my age, hearken back to when the Beatles' George Harrison got sued because one of his songs on his very first album was the exact mirror of He's So Fine. Right. And I remember so it was that. My Sweet Lord. Remember that? Yeah, so all of a sudden, IP became a very big thing. If you're going to be in business, all kidding aside, you really have to pay attention to it. You can't be in business without paying attention to it because you have to make sure you're not stepping on somebody else's IP, which is not a, a very good thing unless you have a very big checkbook. <laughs> so I agree with Emmy. I feel bad for these poor folks. And, and I really don't know who's counseling them, but they need to go to law school. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> I would never have let them do that. Jason, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's painful. Oops. I agree with Brian there that, you know, if you're going to do business, then you need to do your due diligence. And that seems a little bit like a drunken night's decision. <laughs> but but I do I do have a question for you about trademarks on company names and brands. And uh, love sure. to hear your opinion about the impact of not trademarking or trademarking your, your name and what the risks are there of not trademarking your brand name. Well, thank you very much for that question. It's a good one. If you're going to make a substantial investment in your business, you really need to one, make sure that somebody else isn't using the name that you want to use and already has a trademark on it. And number two, that you actually do invest in a trademark. I mean, it's 2,500 bucks maybe, and it does prevent other people from capitalizing on the brand equity that you've created. So if you've done a lot of advertising, you have a lot of packaging, all of that can be put at risk if the trademark's not handled properly. So it's a relatively small investment for a lot of safety. So we recommend that people, you know, get trademarks. And if you're a local business and you don't really plan on expanding, it may not make sense for you, but you really need to talk with somebody about it because even local businesses sometimes get into disputes. So. Oh, yeah. Where are you located, Jason? We're in Vancouver, Canada. So you could get trademarks in Canada and the U.S. for this. Yeah, we, we actually haven't pursued trademarks. You know, we've done all the due diligence of not buying a $3 million book that someone really <laughs> And I think it becomes more of a problem when you start making real money, because if people don't think you have money, they're not going to necessarily go after you. But if you start really getting popular, then watch out. So Kenya, what are your thoughts? I'm curious to see or hear if this could have gone another way. So they spent all this money on this book, which I think is kind of crazy because you can't even walk into Barnes and Noble and buy anything cheaply and think that you own it. Right. So what is the alternative to what they could have done? So could they have negotiated ahead of time, like to have ownership of the usage of what was included in the book? That's really what they should have done. And the estate of the author of the book actually sold the rights to another company in 2016. And then shortly after that, the movie Dune came out. And so the estate and the other company did it the right way, but they would have had to negotiate with the company that owns the rights now. And whether they could have gotten a license under the circumstances is anybody's guess, but that would be the only other option that I see under those circumstances. I'm sure the other company has plans to do all of the same types of things, but they're out of luck. Well, and I bet the copyright license was not cheap either. Probably cheaper than $3 million, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can work out a deal where you give them a percentage of your profits and stuff. So that's the way I would go. Anyway, now on to our guest segment with Emmy Wu. Emmy, it's so great to see you. And, you know, as you mentioned, you're in this world of videos and you're in this world of promotion. Tell us, what do you do? So in short, we run two extensions of our brand. We have an agency where we produce videos for clients. And then we also have the educational side where we teach video marketing and kind of our principles to business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, so that they can apply it themselves in their own business. That sounds great. So let's assume that there's an entrepreneur out there who wants to do some promoting and they don't have like a huge budget. What are some of the things that they can do to promote their business? Well, I think the beautiful thing about marketing and growing a business in this day and age is that we have access to all this technology that never was available even a decade before. You know, we can literally pull out our smartphone and start live streaming and talking to people 
on the other side of the earth, which is pretty amazing. So within what's available, I think as entrepreneurs to really leverage that technology, because I do video and I know the power of video, I'm going to really encourage everyone to use video because there's nothing like having this medium where people can see you, you know, hear you talk, uh, see your expressions and really get to build that know, like, and trust factor with you. So using, you know, live stream video is a fairly easy way that most people can leverage to gain more visibility. And I would say, you know, choose a social media platform that best resonates with you and that you know your ideal clients are hanging out on. I see a lot of business owners feeling like they need to be everywhere. You know, I got to be on Twitter and YouTube and this and that and Clubhouse and, and it becomes super overwhelming. So just focus on what you're great at, master that, and then we can always build from there. Yeah, I think that's excellent. My company's based on video too, but it's different than what you're doing. And it's a startup <laughs> where you are. But I, the, one of the reasons I started it was because over the last few years, especially we've been hearing, well, every business owner needs to use video. Everybody needs to have a video. And you're kind of like, okay, why? What does that mean? Like, how do I use it? Now we're getting more towards, which is along the lines of what you're doing too, is don't shoot a crappy video. Yeah. Quality matters. You know, that's nuanced too, because I think many of us get so preoccupied by the idea that our videos have to be perfect and they have to be super professional that they stop before they've even started. You know, they think that they failed already because they don't have that fancy camera. So they might as well not try. And it's actually the opposite is true. I think ultimately we have to remember that it's humans at the other end of that avatar, right? We're looking for connection. We're looking for people that we resonate with people that we share common values with. And if just doing live video, perhaps the quality isn't as great, but that's kind of your first step to just showing up and getting your message out there. I think that's a wonderful start. But there are so many videos out there. How do you counsel people to sort of figure out ways to differentiate themselves so that they get noticed above the crowd? And I think this is like the perennial question of the entrepreneur, right? How do I get noticed in, in the sea of like notifications and other businesses? I think it's really important before we get kind of too stuck on the strategy and the tactics of visibility to really hone it back into what are you about? What is your brand about? And how can you tell that story of your brand in a way that will relate to your ideal clients? And something that I hear really often is, well, I don't really have like this amazing hero's journey story, you know, that I can tell that's like so epic. You know, I just, I just started my business out of my garage or, you know, I just started from this passion and I want to see where it would go Then tell that story, you know, just like this belief that our videos need to be perfect. I think there's also a belief that our stories need to be this huge climactic, you know, uh, Indiana Jones type epic story. <laughs> Um, and it doesn't have to be right. It truly is the small details that connect with your ideal clients. It's your challenges that reflect those of your customers and clients. It's your triumphs that also reflect that of your audience. So to keep that in mind along the way. Well, I'm sure Kenya agrees with you. Kenya's been telling us that this show should be all about storytelling since day one. So Kenya, what do you have to say? Yeah, and that's what we've been doing this whole time, right? So just curious, I feel like the marketing landscape changes daily like especially in digital media. So what would you say are some of the marketing must-haves going into 2022? So something that I'm pretty firm on in terms of my brand, and it's not you know to say that this is the be-all, end-all, but this is just my perspective in that strategies and tactics and algorithms and technology is always going to change. It literally changes every day. You know, what used to be hot last year is not so hot anymore. And how do we keep up with that constant change? My opinion, we don't. We actually leverage our own greatest power on the platform that matters to us. So for example, you know, leveraging storytelling, something that is going to be fundamentally true across all businesses and across different eras of marketing is that every business has cold, warm, 
and hot leads. Mm -hmm. And so despite the tactics or even the platforms that you're using, you can keep in mind that in my marketing, I should approach my audience with these three different types of messages as a very foundational kind of starting point, and then leveraging the platform that most resonates with you to then implement that. What I'm hearing you say is the fundamentals of marketing have not changed over the last few hundred years. <laughs> it's just the tools that we use change. And, and that's kind of what Ken was saying too. And so you're teaching people to use this new tool, video, in the marketing world of 2022. Yeah, but sticking to storytelling, sticking to classic forms of of connecting with other people that are going to ride out the test of time. You know, uh, Clubhouse might not be here in a couple of years. Uh, Who knows what's going on with Facebook ads and the algorithms and iOS changes. And we can use that as a complaint. You know, why can't I do this? Why can't I get more visibility? This is always changing. But instead of focusing on the things that we can't do, I say it's really important for us to focus on the things that we can do and that we have power over. And how can we really dig deep into that and make the most of what we do have? I agree. And I think another part of marketing that's sometimes overlooked is to have a successful business, you have to do a good job. You know, whatever your brand promises are or whatever the customer expects from you, you have to deliver that consistently and effectively. And that's like that in and of itself will drive customers to you. The marketing is a way to reach more people to experience that good service or product. But you have to have the basics and the fundamentals down first. If you don't, then you're going to lose customers no matter how hard you market. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it is all about relationship building, right? And kind of going back to what I said around every business has cold, warm, and hot audiences something that particularly in kind of the online marketing world, there has been this tendency to like jump in front of your audiences and almost like pitch your offers and start selling your thing right away, which, you know, for, for us as a consumer, it doesn't feel really good, right? Like we don't want to be pitched this thing right off the bat. And so when we think about building human relationships, you know, we wouldn't start getting to know somebody starting to build a friendship by like running right up to them and being all up in their face and being like, Hey, (laughs) you want to marry me? That would be a little bit weird. Right. And yet, unless you're my son's dog, my son's dog will do that. He'll run up right into your face and like, okay, let's get married. You know, but normal people don't do that. Right. Right. Seriously, through this whole quarantine that we've been in, we've realized how important these relationships are, right? Like we took them for granted before. And now it's like, holy crap, I need to see people. (laughs) You know, know, we were talking before about what an important tool video is. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. But I'm also hearing people talk about Zoom fatigue and everything else. And I agree that video is the best way to communicate your message. But in light of all the time that we're spending on the two, does that in any way diminish the importance of video? Ironically, the statistics actually prove opposite. Really? Um, in that in, in the world where we are so much missing human connection, video has gone upwards exponentially, particularly short form videos. So, you know, 60 seconds or less getting to the point, very educational, very fun. The opposite end of the spectrum is it is a bit of a dopamine hit you know, going through <laughs> these fast moving videos. And yet I think there's something really important to be said, you know, as business owners, how can we then knowing that your audience is looking for connection, maybe they don't want to be, you know, online watching an hour long training. How can we slightly pivot our marketing strategies to meet the needs of our audience? Yeah, it's kind of funny because the research I've been looking at for 2022, which is all online, you know, I don't buy the really good research, but anyway, um, says people want to watch short videos. But LinkedIn and YouTube want you to do long videos. <laughs> so you gotta yeah, we were like, oh, that is totally confusing. <laughs> yeah. So. so, but Kenya, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm glad you brought up YouTube, Elizabeth, because I've run some YouTube campaigns where we have found statistically that 30 second YouTube videos do much better on a marketing campaign. So it's, um, it's interesting that 
Well, no, it makes sense, though, too. They, they might want you to run longer content because then it allows for a, like a better insertion of ads. But it's mm-hmm. it's interesting about like the whole YouTube craze that I wanted to see and me kind of how you feel about what's happening in the YouTube space. You know, I feel like all the platforms are kind of going after what's working statistically, right? Uh, TikTok has really taken the lead uh, since the beginning of the pandemic with like short form, punchy videos. And so Instagram is like, oh, we have to do reels now. And then YouTube is like, oh, now we're going to do shorts. Fine. But again, for me, it's like, how can we take a step back? And again, looking at traditional relationship building. I think the reason why short form videos are working so well now is because that is how you kind of make that first connection with people in real life. You know, it is going for that quick coffee meeting or having that first quick date. You're not going to sit down and like spend the entire weekend together if that's your first meeting. And so longer form generally seems to fit warm and hot markets better where there is a bit of that relationship already and they are invested in learning with you a little bit deeper. Whereas cold audiences, they don't want to hear the whole story. Just give me the goods. And so those short, punchy forms really work well for cold audiences. I got to tell you though, Emmy, so we're doing a special passage to profit called Ask the IP Experts. We're trying to promote it. And so I've been trying to do 30 second videos for that. And it's hard to get everything into a 30 second video sometimes. I did it and we have a program coordinator and Richard's done a couple, but you know, his are like 40, 45 seconds. She's like, nope, that's too long. Sorry. (laughs) So we've done one that she'll accept. And well, it's if, 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 ads, if, it's, right? if it's an engaging 45 seconds, then people will watch it. Now, I, what she says, and maybe you can answer this for us. She says people look at the time on the video before they decide whether to watch it. And if it's more than 30 seconds, they're like, nah, next one. I know that to be true, certainly for myself. <laughs> I, I can't be the only one, right? And even for reading on the internet, most of us are skimmers. Yeah. Statistics have shown that we actually don't read word for word on the internet on websites. So in some ways, attention spans are getting shorter, right? But I also think that when you have great content, when you have a compelling message, people are going to stick around for that. So yes to exploring short form. How can we make your message really succinct, really to the point that your audience is going to understand that right away? And how can we play around with other forms that might meet other segments of your audience even better? Yeah. I personally, I don't pay that much attention to the time. If it says 10 minutes, then I'm out. But the whole point is to keep your audience engaged and deliver value, right? And so if you're doing that, then people will continue on, but maybe they won't open it in the first place. So I guess (laughs) that could be an issue. Remember when we grew up, so kind of dating myself here when we grew up there were like three or four tv stations and you got to watch what they wanted to show you when they wanted to show it to you now it's everything everywhere all the time and so i think that's why people are just looking at like 30 seconds or something and they're like okay i got enough and i would also add that long form videos are also successful right now media platforms are pushing the short forms but ultimately the goal of every social media platform is to keep the user on their platform do you think that it's important for an entrepreneur to budget for social media advertising and let's say they decide to spend 500 or a thousand dollars a month what is the best way for them to use that do you think i think that if you have a small ish budget you know say 500 to a thousand dollars you're probably best served running a video as a video views campaign. So whether on Facebook or Instagram, that's something that I've always done in my business and something that we teach our customers and clients as well, because it's reasonably a low cost ad spend, but with even $5 a day, you can literally reach thousands of new eyeballs. And with the right piece of video content, That's ultimately, you know, reaching new eyeballs is the lifeblood of any business, right? So having that little piece of content that is the first touch point between your cold audiences and you generally not pitching anything, but something about your shared value, something about your brand and allowing that to run on autopilot is really powerful. That's excellent. That was called video views. 
campaign? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, yes exactly. Let's go back to content for a minute. What I've been reading recently is, okay, so 30 seconds is the magic number and try to even be less than that if you can, but you have to grab their attention from the first couple seconds. So I like, how do you, I like, I don't want to look like an idiot. Like I could jump around with a stupid hat on my head and probably get people's <laughs> attention. Right. But how, how do you do that? And kind of stay serious. I'd like about to see that. I think you should try a few videos like that. <laughs> but how do you stay serious about your business and grab attention? The crux is in the question right there in that you almost have to choose. Am I going to be serious or am I going to get somebody's attention? All right. So because what captures attention is something that is uncanny, a little unusual, something that's going to pique my interest, uh, something that I don't expect to see in a video. Or what is that person doing? That's going to pique somebody's interest. We've seen across the social media landscape and particularly TikTok, it's dancing, it's singing, it's, you know, doing these things that I know for me as somebody in my forties, I'm like, I am not doing a TikTok dance on social media. That is just not how I want to market. Right. And <laughs> it's just not my vibe. However, we can still use traditional principles to capture attention. So I guess more directly answering your question, if we want to be more in the serious side, we can use movement across the screen to capture attention because our human eye is naturally drawn to movement. So it can be as simple as waving close up into the camera, you know, gesturing towards the viewer directly. You can have interesting text that, you know, moves or bounces across, or even just something very unconventional that perhaps really stands out in the feed. So say, for example, you're running a video views campaign on Facebook, where it is largely people and faces Maybe you're using an image, an object that's really different that will stand out from the sea of faces. So it's kind of knowing where you're going to be showing that video, the context that it's going to be within, and how can I use movement, something that's interesting and unusual to then capture attention. Well, Emmy, oh my gosh, like next time I do a video, I'm coming to talk to you. So, <laughs> so I would love that. <laughs> so how do people find you? Yeah, they can find me on my website. That's emmywoo.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram at emmywoomedia. Great. Well, we need to take a break. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt and our special guest, Emmy Wood, who has been just a wealth of information. And we'll be right back after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at Gear. GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearheart. Now on to Power Move with Kenya Gibson. So Kenya, what's going on with Power Move? Well, exciting things with Power Move. We're going to be talking about celebrity hairstylist Liana McKnight. COVID-19 devastated her salon business and it made her take a step back and move back to Las Vegas. So while she was there, she contemplated opening an online beauty business and wanted to focus on wigs and extensions, which is projected to be a $2 billion industry by 2026 in North America alone, according to Report Linker. So while she was there, she found a manufacturer. She wanted to sell natural undetectable wigs and she was able to increase her sales by more than 500 percent in over a seven month period alone and this past year her husband quit his full-time job and is helping her run 
SL raw virgin hair. So that's wow. our power move for today. That I always wondered a- what I'd look like as a redhead, but I haven't gone there with the hair dye. Maybe I should get a wig and try it out. That's a good way to try out hair color. I didn't know that there were $2 billion worth of people wearing wigs out there either. In and, North America alone, it's crazy. Can you guys tell when somebody's wearing a wig or not? Well, she's kind of crafted her own wig where it's undetectable. Sometimes you can, but she's figured out a way and found a manufacturer that can make it look like it's your real hair and you can't tell whether you're wearing a wig or not. So I would definitely try one of her wigs. I've always been kind of fascinated with that world of wigs. The world of wigs. Well, (laughs) anyway, thank you for that. Kenya, <laughs> let's not wig out over this. Okay? <laughs> oh, anyway, what's going on with Fireside, Elizabeth? Fireside Directory is a video directory of small businesses. We interview small business owners using cutting edge marketing techniques and then put them in a directory. I'm working on the website now, as you know. And as Emmy had said earlier, the whole reason I started this, I, I wanted to start with lawyers, but the lawyers didn't really want to do it. So I expanded to <laughs> small business owners during COVID. We did it over Zoom. And when you see somebody on video, you get an impression, a deeper impression than if you see a picture or you just read about them. And somebody may be great for somebody else, but I may look at them on video and go, you know, I don't like them because they remind me of that guy that ripped me off 10 years ago. And it's not their fault, but then I'm going to go on to the next person because I feel more comfortable working with them. Well, hopefully we're not getting too many criminals on your video directory. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. That's you never problem. know, though. But you get the first impression. You, and you either inherently trust somebody because they remind you of somebody or something, or you don't trust them because of your own inner stuff. And why not work with somebody that you're going to be able to trust, right? Makes so, perfect sense. So anyway, so I'm working on the website. I'm going to talk to the website designer today because I think I found who I want to work with. Oh. And I'm excited to keep this going. That is absolutely great. So everybody check out firesidedirectory.com and you can see what's going on there. And if, and if anybody on the show wants to do a video with me for Fireside, I would love to interview you and show you what I'm doing. I'll send you an email. It has the link to my calendar to do a video. So now it is time for our first presenter, Brian Freed with Rapid Grow LED. If you want to grow your own food, this is the guy you talk to. Hi, Brian. Tell us all about it. Nice. Nice to be here. Well, we started a commercial lighting company in 2000 from scratch. In 2017, we looked around and we saw this thing called climate change, and it wasn't going away. And so folks in my company, including my son, who's active, said, you know, Dad, we think that the world is going to shift in terms of how food production is going to occur because whole crops are being wiped out all over the world by hurricanes, by severe weather, hail, you name it. And I said, well, you know, that's true, David, but things happen in in cycles. He said, yeah, but think about this way. We live in California. We have had issues about access to water for a very long time. And I said, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. And I said, so where are you going with this? And he said, I think the future is going to be growing crops indoors because indoors you don't have severe weather issues and you minimize the amount of water you have for crops. And I said, well, what do you think? What that led to was the development of a proprietary open architecture technology platform whose intention was to control every aspect of an indoor grow coupled with lighting product families that would be specific to the type of grow. There are different types of lighting forms and spectrums that you'd find in a greenhouse than you would in a vertical grow or in the back of a grocery store or somebody's garage for that matter. So all of this was happening against the backdrop, of course, of the cannabis revolution and cannabis is mainly grown indoors. And so my folks convinced me to go ahead and invest in this. And that was 2017 It was going to be very inexpensive and it was going to only take a year. It was not inexpensive and it took three and a half years. We finally released it last year and we actually spun Rapid Grow LED Technologies off as a separate company last year because we got so much traction so fast. So now Rapid Grow LED basically is the capital equipment and technology for scalable indoor grows from what you find in a garage or the back of a restaurant to very large, massive commercial grows that currently 
are growing everything from marijuana-based CBD products to a variety of different kinds of produce. Wow, that's amazing. So are these like light bulbs or fluorescent bulbs? If we were still in that era, this would not exist. In (laughs) In order to grow plants, we need the sun. The sun is the best thing to grow plants. Because it's basically a full spectrum of light and the plant takes what it needs. The problem is the sun's not always there and it's not there when you want it either. And so what happened in the last 10 years is with the advent of LED lights, light emitting diodes, we're able to literally replicate specific spectrums that we would find in the sun. Not to get too technical, but the wavelength, the color temperature. So LEDs come in colors. So for example, strawberries like a different type of light than tomatoes do, than butter lettuce does. And so because we design the LED light source from scratch, we can tailor make that spectrum and also the form factor, the thing that the LED light source sits in to be applicable to a specific type of plant. Now, why is that important? Well, first of all, we've got an energy crisis going now. Everything's gotten exacerbated. And we need to reduce our carbon footprint because we're not building any new dams and coal is not a very wonderful thing to a lot of folks. And we don't have any new nuclear reactors, but we have electric cars and we have a lot more need for electricity. So where are we going to get that power? Well, we can do it through brownouts and blackouts, but the public doesn't seem to like those. And so if you couple the technology platform with light emitting diodes, you can literally save half to 60% of the energy that used to be required when lighting was just a light bulb. So now with energy optimization, that's another reason why you can grow these things indoors economically and be plant specific about the type of light. So Brian, I have a room in my house that I can clear all the junk out of. <laughs> and let's say, let's say I wanted to set this up in dedicated room in my house. Could Are I do gonna that? Are you going to start smoking grass? <laughs> oh, God. I, I was thinking vegetables, no, she, but... She was going to grow cherry tomatoes is really what she was thinking. Right. That's fine. Probably more profitable I... to grow pasta. <laughs> anyway, um, so I just want to have a little garden for Richard and me and do some vegetables in my house in a room. Can I do that with your system? Sure you can. Basically, you just buy a light that is applicable for however big a room you have. And if you just plug that light in and go for it, if you want to get really technical, you add the software platform and you can basically control that light and you can store any recipe that you have come up with. So you basically make lights that the plants like and different Mm -hmm. plants like different light. So Mm -hmm. you can figure out what kind of light each plant wants Is that in one bulb or different products for each kind of plant? There are actually different form factors and different products for each plant. And so what we try to do is tailor the kind of light the plant likes towards that plant. And it might be different colored lights. It might be more intense or less intense lights. But if you have control over them, then you can basically get whatever you need. Cool. Well, I want to hear what Emmy thinks about this. I love this idea. I mean, I personally have LED lights growing plants in my kitchen <laughs> because I love gardening, but we live in a townhouse, so I don't have a huge garden space. So on top of all the environmental benefits, I think it's also great for people like me who, you know, want to have a green thumb, but may not have the space to do so. And I'm also able to kind of play around and discover what are the best ways of lighting this tomato, this basil, this, you know, whatever I'm growing. And it's turned into quite the educational process, which has been wonderful during the pandemic. (laughs) This would make a great video too, right? Like you walking through your room and picking off your little tomatoes and making a salad. <laughs> you don't happen to have a light for short people, do you, that you could just hold over your head? No. Or, or I'd be growing. using that for myself. So what happens to the insects? There are good insects and bad insects. Do you ever bring any insects in? I mean, it's going to kill off all the insects if there's no plants outside to eat or do stuff with, right? As long as the mosquitoes go, I'm fine. Exactly. But do you ever bring any insects in to interact with the plants? Yeah, the beauty is you get to control whatever it is you want to bring in. Insects, irrigation, fertilizer, you choose that. The environment's completely controlled. You're not at the mercy of wind or rain or hail or severe weather. 
And so that environment's maintained. And that's why you use so much less water. Wow. I feel like I'm seeing the future unfold right here on Passage to Profit. You are. Well, do you remember that movie Soylent Green? I oh. think I think this will help us avoid Soylent Green. I was going to say, we, <laughs> so, we don't want... For those that's, of you that, that, is that the movie where they turn people into food? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Soylent ooh. Green is people. <laughs> but Green but, is but I did love Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we're not going to get there if we do this. Right. right. <laughs> so we have to stop this segment now, but I want to thank Brian. It's been very interesting to hear about what you're doing. We here at Passage to Profit completely support it and hope that it becomes even more prevalent. It seems the way to go. And having driven through the Midwest multiple times, it'd be nice to see something there besides cornfields. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. If you can make that happen, so, we'll all be happy. How do people buy these? Where do they find you? You can go to our website, rapidgrowled.com. And that's probably the easiest way. We're based in a suburb of Los Angeles, and we're very easy to find. And we're very friendly, too. Thanks for being on the show. We'll be right back with more Passage to Profit right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. That last segment was like so amazing, wasn't it? Well, all of our segments have been amazing. And if they didn't get a chance to hear our first two segments, where do they go for they the go other segment? go to the Passage to Profit podcast. Oh, what a great tomorrow. idea. But I really want to introduce Jason Elliott. And I really wish that this had been available a couple of years ago. All you women listening out there, especially you young women, you want to know about this product when you hit menopause. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so Jason, Absolutely. tell us all and, about and, it. And the men want to know about it too, yeah. just for the same reason. So have you ever been introduced that way before? That's <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I really like the concept of storytelling and that's, and you know, that's how we've been approaching our business. And, you know, we've, um, so our, our business, you know, the story is that I'm a terrible sleeper and I, I'm an engineer as well. And for years and years, I tossed and turned all night and I couldn't, I couldn't get a good sleep. I'd be in bed for 10 hours a night and I'd wake up feeling completely unrested and my wife would be you know, sleeping great beside me. I was always way too hot and that's why I couldn't sleep. I toss and turn, the mattress would heat up. I tried different mattresses. I tried, you know, cold rooms. I tried everything, every product that I could find and nothing helped. And you know, I, I got to a point of desperation and it's like, oh, man, I just need to sleep. My job's getting more stressful. Things are getting busier in life. And it's like, I, I, I need to sleep. And so a friend of and myself were entrepreneurial kind of engineer type people. And we were looking for an idea to start a company. We wanted to do something different. And one day I mentioned while we were putting kids to bed, Hey, you know, I need a temperature controlled bed. And he, he looked at me and he's like, that's a great idea. And so, you know, in the months that followed, I quit my job and we started developing this product. The product is basically a thermally controlled bed. So it controls the temperature of the bed that you're laying on. And so it's a thin layer you put on top of your bed. It's like a mattress topper, mattress pad. It's about two inches thick, soft, squishy, comfortable, but it has a built-in sensing and control system. So it senses your body temperature and it adjusts the amount of cooling. So it has some fans in there that deliver airflow underneath your body, uh, up around your body, gives you a nice dry sleeping environment, gets rid of night sweats, reduces hot flashes, it sometimes even eliminates hot flashes at night for women. So that's a big deal. It has dual zone control. So one person can have a different temperature than the other person. So, you know, no more fighting over the bed, like something like 50% of couples fight over the temperature of their bedroom. So it, it's a wonderful product. We had our customers are, are loving it. I, I love it. I sleep now. I sleep fantastic. It's changed my life as far as my health and my mood. And it's been fantastic in it. And it's been a real fun business to grow. Well, I think 
if you can say that your company's purpose is to improve 50% of marriages, I think you're <laughs> well ahead of the curve, right? So that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it is, it is a big deal. You know, you know, like um, stress in the bedroom is uh, in a relationship, <laughs> is it a good thing, you know? And, and, and really around a, a bed, you know, there's a big deal. People end up sleeping in different rooms. They, they fight over it. And it's, uh, you know, you get grumpy too if you're not sleeping well. Well, that's and, just uh, it. So Tell it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, getting a good night's sleep seems to be a big problem for a lot of people. Absolutely. Because there's all these products, all these commercials, all these medications, all these different things you can take. But I think this would be really awesome. So who are you selling this to? Are you selling it off your website right now? Yeah, we sell direct to consumers. We sell off of our website primarily, you know, and I love talking to customers and finding out their problems and trying to help them tailor a solution for their temperature problems at night. That's great. Not only are you a marriage counselor, but you also <laughs> make a product that helps people sleep yeah, better. Yeah. What happens when you're sleeping peacefully and the cat comes and sits on you and raises your body temperature. Does it kick <laughs> in for that? <laughs> yeah, the product actually monitors your body temperature while you're sleeping. And so if you do start heating up, you'll get a little bit more cooling. Disturbances in sleep, you know, whether it's your cat or whether it's, you know, the sun came in the window or, or you know, whatever the disturbance is, if there's a temperature-related disturbance, which happens all the time to people and they just forget about it, you know, they don't even consider it. Every time you roll over, every time you move, it disturbs your sleep and the quality of your sleep deteriorates. The quality of your health deteriorates and, and you know, and on and on relationships and all that. So the product keeps the temperature that you're laying in, you know, your microclimate of your bed, it keeps that temperature the same. So you don't wake up, you don't kick the blankets off, you don't roll over, you don't do all those things that you do naturally. So you're not disturbed as much and you do sleep better. Even My wife even, she was a fantastic sleeper. And then since we've had the product developed and we've been using it for a couple of years, we go to a hotel room and she's like, man, this was what life was like before. And she didn't even realize she wasn't sleeping well, you know, so it even benefits everybody really. So now, you know, you have to make a portable one. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The travel so, version. So right? much, the travel I'm just curious, how much does this cost and where can I get one? Off of our website, the queen size is $1,600 US. So it's, it's not a particularly cheap product. It's got a lot of technology in there that's, you know, driving what happens. So it's, you know, a lot of people say, oh man, it's, that, you know, I paid that for my mattress. It's like, well, your mattress is a block of foam. It doesn't have a <laughs> cooling and heating system in it that, that's monitoring your body temperature and keeping you at the right temperature and a foot warmer and, and a remote control on your app. So there's a lot of features in there that improve your life. And it's much more than a mattress. I can really relate to that because even if we have temperature control in our bedroom, it changes all the time and the house gets warmer or colder. I would pay 1600 for a good night's sleep, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, my God, I mean, it affects your whole life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That That's the logic there right. because your health is worth far more than that investment. Yeah, right? it's it, an, it really it's is a, an investment in your health. I take it this thing is pretty quiet. Yeah, the way the cooling works is it has a couple fans in the foot of the bed that draw in cool air and then it blows it underneath your body and those fans are really quiet if you crank it up to maximum power it's kind of like having a fan in your room but it, it, during you know regular operation for people with reasonably cool rooms you can barely tell it's there would this substitute for air conditioning it supplements it you know it did a bunch of testing at 90 degree climates and the coolest and most comfortable place was on the bed better than standing up right because <laughs> you, you you got all this airflow and whatnot but it doesn't really replace air conditioning i've had many customers say that they used to keep their room at 65 and now they can keep their room at 72 so they've dropped their ac bill by half you know in las vegas so it supplements but it it doesn't make your room colder. So if your room is 90 Fahrenheit, then you're still in a 90 Fahrenheit room. Well, this is a little bit dangerous because Richard already says, you know, I don't really like to travel. I hate staying in hotel rooms because they're not nearly as comfortable as our house. So if I get this, he's never going to want to sleep anywhere right. else. I'm never leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you make a portable one we can take to the hotel with us. Or or like the really fancy high-end hotels should have these, right? I, I think so, too. Yep. I haven't, I haven't uh, started talking to hotels, but uh, I think they'll love it. Oh, yeah. Like go to the Omnis. <laughs> well, this has been an awesome discussion. And Jason, I, I credit you and your partner for the inventiveness and the practicality of this and using modern sensors to keep us comfortable. I think so, that's great. Yeah. So we have to wind this up, unfortunately, but I am going on your website. So you can find this at 
perfectlysnug.com. Listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, our special guest, Emmy Wu on WOR 710. And we're not done yet. We'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Wow, what a show we had tonight. It was just amazing. Amazing. I enjoyed every second. Right. Amazing advice for entrepreneurs and amazing products. And like, I, I do feel like with this show, we're looking at the future today. I th- oh I, my gosh. I think so too. So. Yeah. So who did we have? We had the wonderful Emmy Wu, E-M-M-Y-W-U.com. So you know you need to do a video, but then what? She's the person you want to talk to. She helps you tell your story in a way that will help you with your marketing and not come across. Make as, your videos you know. great with Emmy. Reach and, out to her. And so. she'll teach you how to use video to market your business. Absolutely. So. And then we had Brian Freed with rapidgrowled.com. A really bright idea. If you want to grow your own food under your conditions with lights that are tuned to the specific food you want to grow that will really grow. It's fresh, a growing business food, too. Rapidgrowled.com. <laughs> and then after you've eaten all that delicious food that you've grown. And after you've done your video. Well, I think this is before you do your video. You get a super good night's sleep, right? There and, you go. And to get a super good night's sleep, you want perfectly snug. It's brand new technology. It goes over the mattress you have now. It controls your bed temperature based on your body temperature. So honestly, I mean, who hasn't woken up in a hot sweat in the middle of the night and gone, how do I go back to sleep now? I'm burning up. Keeps you as cool as you like. <laughs> Keeps you the temperature you need to get a really good night's sleep. So perfectlysnug.com. And of course, we had the wonderful Kenya Gibson. So Kenya is the media maven. She is our iHeart contact. And you can find her at Kenya Gibson with a P, Kenya Gibson at iHeartMedia.com. And, you know, if you want to get on the radio or you want to do some digital marketing, yeah, talk to Kenya. Absolutely. They've been doing digital marketing for us for a long time, and they get a double thumbs up in our book. So reach out to Kenya and she can help you with all that. But before we go, I'd like to ask Emmy and Kenya for some final words for our audience. So Emmy, what are your parting thoughts? I think my parting thought would be to just start. Uh, So many entrepreneurs are held back because they don't think that they're ready for video or want to lose the last 10 pounds before they show up or, you know, don't have the right background. And those things can can hold us back for, for months, even years. So instead of focusing on perfection, just put yourself out there. They're, your ideal clients are literally looking for you. And I think that's great advice. Kenya? I love the theme of the show today, you know, innovation and ingenuity. I feel like everyone brought something very different to the table. And all it takes is a really good idea to get it out to the right people with the right marketing plan. So just a really great conversation today. Well, thank you, Kenya. We'd like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, our program coordinator, Alicia Morrissey, our video editor, Chatterboss, and the whole iHeart team. And we'll be back again with another fantastic Passage to Profit next week. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart signing off for Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, WOR 710, the voice of New York.